So we've been doing a series on the gift and power of listening. Uh, we've been covering topics like the gift of listening, how God listens to us, listening to others, the voice of God, um, how to hear God. We're, we're gonna be con continuing with these topics, um, the questions Jesus asked, and even preaching the good news by listening. So believe it or not, we can do that. We can preach the good news by listening. Um, today, I'm gonna speak about when not to listen. And um, crazy enough, I have like 12 pages of notes. And the verse, the key passage that I started off with is now like at the end and I'm not gonna focus on it. There's so much to say about this topic. And so for all of you Bible um, lovers out there, I am skipping some passages and it's gonna be okay because you can study the Bible and you can find some of those passages too. So it's a huge topic and I'm just gonna cover a few aspects of it as I feel like the Lord has led me today. Um, a friend of mine recently got me hooked on a true crime podcast about a woman in California who pretended to have um, cancer and scammed her church community, her neighborhood, lots of businesses. It's a horrible story. And I'm really thankful to say that she's serving prison time for how horrible that scam was. And listening to this scam made me think of um, one time when Aaron, my husband, had a boss who was a con artist and you, he, he was really skilled. He had so much truth and he was saying real things, but he was saying half truths and he always had a subversive agenda. And it was like, which is, what is true and what is not? And I was even gonna tell a story and Aaron's like, that might've been true and I was like, how did we know with this guy? What was true and what wasn't true? We just never knew. So you become alert. How am I gonna work? How am I gonna keep my job with someone you know, over me who's deceptive and deceitful? And then all of this got me thinking about fraud and crime. And so I was like, how, tell me, what are the worst states for um, financial fraud? And California is the first state. Utah is number 20 on the list. Across the US, um, last in 2022, we lost $8.8 billion to fraud. I know. In the first quarter in Utah alone, in 2023, this is according to Forbes magazine, we've already lost $16 million to fraud in Utah in the first quarter. So, we think about fraud and we're all like, defense is up, we're careful, we're alert, we're looking for it, we're aware of it. Every one of us has experienced some level of pain, some type of fraud. It could be in a relationship, it could be in a work situation, it could be in a financial scheme, it could be um, in a church. It happens, it could be in a belief system that we feel has frauded us. Now, I don't work in the financial industry, so you should, you, you, people don't come to me for financial advice and they probably shouldn't, right? I work at church. I work here in a faith, in a community of faith. And so people come to me and they ask me different kind of fraud questions. How do I know how to interpret the Bible, deception? How do I know what is true? How do I know, um, I can trust in Jesus. 
how do I know I won't be scammed and betrayed by this community, right? Those are important questions. They're hard questions. They're scary questions. And that's legitimate because we find ourselves vulnerable to these things, right? So um, the last few weeks, I've been getting the question, um, how do I know I'm not following Satan? I'm like, whoa. I, every time someone asks me that, I feel so bad. I'm like, that's living in fear. Satan does, I'm just like, no. I'm like, but let's answer that question today, right? It's an important question. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So, you know, when the green goblin or the joker or the wicked witch of the West shows up, we're all kind of like, oh, hello red flag, or Biff from Back to the Future, who is this guy, right? That's obvious that we should be like, hmm, something's up here. But sometimes we don't see. And when we don't see, it's painful, and it causes a grief process. Uh, it's a big deal to process grief and harm when we've been frauded or betrayed by deception. It's, it's a big deal, and we want to recognize that. So the Bible has lots of warnings and gives us lots of stories, um, especially about false prophets, especially in the book of Jeremiah, and in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, where there's repeatedly, repeatedly warnings. Don't listen to fortune tellers. Don't listen to false prophets. Don't go to mediums. Don't go to sorcerers. They're out to harm you. They don't represent me or my ways. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus warns us in the book of Matthew, Matthew 7. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By your fruit, you will recognize, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. So today I'm gonna compare and contrast the voice of Satan with the voice of God. And we're gonna compare and contrast fruit and discover more about how to recognize God's voice. Now, Satan has many names in the Bible, devourer, thief, robber, lion, dragon, serpent, the list goes on and on. Many names and many expressions. Satan is the name behind a power of evil, behind idols, false prophets, demons, violence, division, bondage, all sorts of harm and just pure evil. So of the verses I'm gonna read, I'm gonna say Satan, but some of the ver verses I'm gonna read refer to him in different ways, refer to Satan in different ways. Again, my prayer is that you will be equipped and encouraged to hear and discern God's voice and then to follow it and then to give your life to it. Because I think it's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. I wanna be in the way and the truth and the life of Jesus. Because Jesus alone, in my opinion, 
is the only one worthy of trust. John 10 speaks about Jesus being a gate. Jesus is telling a story about a shepherd. He's telling a story about himself. And he says, um, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from the stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So it's not the pastor, not the news, not this church, not your education. All of these things hopefully are helpful in all the ways, but it's the good shepherd whose voice is worthy of being followed. So we're, we've been spending a lot of time the last few weeks in the beginning in Genesis, and that's because there's so much packed in to that beginning. Let's start in Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman replies to him and says, no, God just said if we eat from that one tree, we will die. The devil responds back, the serpent responds back in Genesis 3, 4 through 5. You will not certainly die, the serpent says to her, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There's a lot to say about this passage, but I want to start with these two ideas about Satan's voice. The first thing Satan does is so doubt about the goodness and purposes of God. Does God really, are God's ways really good? Are God's purposes for you really for your good? Are you sure God doesn't have an alternate agenda? Doubt about the goodness and purposes of God. It's this idea that God is withholding from us, that God doesn't want us to know everything that God is, is keeping something back from us. The other thing God's voice sows is pride and self-reliance. Because God is withholding from you, because God isn't 100% good, um, you can't rely on God. You gotta rely on yourself. Ouch, if I have to rely on myself, I am in deep trouble. It fuels pride and self-reliance. I talk often about a time in my life when I was in college and my faith was being tested and reformed. And I was learning all these truths, but I was also learning a bunch of lies. I was learning it all at once. So my eyes were being open to things my eyes needed to be open to. Like I am so thankful for my education and what I learned. But at the same time, these lies were coming in as well. And it was during that time that I really began to doubt the goodness of God. And I didn't really realize it. I didn't realize it in the moment. I was like, is it true? What's true? Did God really say? And I'm just going through this process, which is a good and healthy process. I'm not saying we shouldn't go through those. But at the time, there was a man who came and preached right here in this church named Steve Valentine. 
And he said something, he, and, it, and I've, we've heard it a hundred times, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit just like, it just hit my heart, it hit my spirit. He said, in times of suffering or in times of confusion, the greatest temptation is to believe the lie that God isn't good. And it just was like, oof, that's it. And I, and I speak to this because this is my testimony. I laid hold of that and I said, I'm not letting go of the idea that God is good. And that's gonna help me get through this faith reformation, this faith transformation, this step from one spot in my faith journey to the next spot in my faith journey. And when I held onto that and I said, I said, Lord, forgive me for not believing that you are good. I put my trust back in you and I rely on you to lead me through this truth process. And when I did that, I, a supernatural feeling of rest and peace washed over me. It was transformative. I became secure. I may not understand this topic. I may not understand that one. I may not understand this or that but I have a confidence and a security in God. Revelations 19.11 talks about seeing Jesus riding in on a white horse, heaven open. It's one of those big picture vision, cool pictures. And it says his, the rider who is Jesus is called faithful and true. God is faithful and true. God is faithful and true. Romans 8.32 says that he who did not spare his own son, let's go to, did I skip? I skipped a verse. Sorry, Andy. Hey, everyone say thank you to Andy. He's our new volunteer in media. <laughs> so helpful, but I skipped a verse. Let's go back to Jeremiah 31.3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is God's promise to us, everlasting love and unfailing kindness. Romans 8, 32, <laughs> he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Another translation says, won't he also give us everything else? God isn't withholding from us. God is generous with us. God's nature is kindness and abundance towards us. In contrast also to tempting you to pride and self-reliance, God's voice, if you're like, is this Satan's voice or is this God's voice? God's voice is gonna call you into trust, into trust in God and reliance. The psalmist declared this um, idea in Psalm 57 too. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. In another translation, it says to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. We can trust God to accomplish his will and to lead us in the way we need to go. So there's an example that Jesus faced of Satan tempting him to doubt God's goodness 
and to fuel self-reliance and performance. And it happens in the temptation of Christ. We read about it in the Gospels. What happens is Jesus, he's baptized, and then the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. So Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's fasting, so he's hungry, and he's weak. And while he's hungry and weak, after 40 days of fasting, the tempter, it says, comes to him. And the tempter comes and says, hey, Jesus, you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, no, no, it is written in, in the scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, no, I don't need to provide for myself. I'm relying on God to provide for me. No, I'm not going to give into the temptation to do this on my own. Then the next one is um, Satan, the devil, the tempter, takes him up to the point of a temple. So first, the temptation is about Jesus taking care of his own self. Next, he takes him to Jesus's religious context, the temple, the place of worship, the place of his people's worship and his community. And he stands him up there and he's like, hey, throw yourself off the temple. I know the angels will catch you. We know your big stuff, Jesus. We know the Father's not gonna leave you here hanging. And Jesus says, no, no. It is written in the Bible, in scripture, don't test the Lord your God. I'm not putting God to the test. I don't have to prove anything in this context. And he says, no. So then Satan takes him to a third place up into the mountains where he can see the splendor and the, and the kingdoms of the whole earth. And Satan says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I can give you power and authority over the kingdoms of the world, which is silly because Jesus already had it. So Satan, the father of lies, right? <laughs> what on earth? And Jesus says, no, it is written, you shall worship and serve no other God, but the Lord most high. Henry Nouwen breaks these down in, in three different ways. The temptation is to make bread for yourself, be relevant, take care of things. Throw yourself from the temple, be spectacular, make a show, do something flashy. Come on, do something. Three, have the kingdoms of the world, be powerful, have influence. Jesus resists all three temptations. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard and provide for ourselves. Don't get that. I'm not saying we shouldn't be in faith communities. I'm not saying that we're not citizens of the earth. What I am saying is there's a temptation. If you find yourself personally or in your religious context or out in the world striving to be relevant, spectacular, significant, approved, perhaps you're listening to the wrong voice. A voice that sounds a lot like that one in Genesis 3 that doubts God's goodness to make you relevant, to make you significant, to give you approval, to doubt that God, to, to tell that the voice that tells you that you have to figure everything out on your own and be self-reliant. 
Now, if Jesus resisted those temptations, then we should resist any voice that is tempting us along the same lines. And there's a promise. There's a promise. Here's the promise in Luke 1. Now note, this is before Jesus goes into the wilderness. It says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But when Jesus leaves, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news spread about him throughout the whole countryside. I love that. When we resist the temptation to take control and do things our own way, we actually give permission and release God to fill us with God's power instead of our own. Who, don't we want that? I'm a roller coaster. I am up and down. I have no power. <laughs> I want the Holy Spirit's power inside of me, not my own. That's why I love that Kelsey opened us up today with that song. Like, let's just, let's start here, inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and be the one that is exalted instead of us. In contrast, um, okay, so in contrast to Satan, who tempts you to walk in your own power and might, the voice of God bids you to trust in him, rely on him, and then promises the Holy Spirit. The fruit of following God's voice is security and trust in him and supernatural strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, this is God's promise for us. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What a paradox. What a mystery. How beautiful. Okay. Another thing that the voice of Satan sounds like, and that is a voice of accusation. Many times throughout scripture, it, some translators don't even call Satan Satan. They just say the accuser, Satan, showed up at court in heaven in Job. The accuser showed us up in Zechariah. The accuser shows up in all these places. To accuse is to charge someone with an offense or a crime, to claim that someone has done something wrong. And yeah, we've done a lot of wrong things. We've made a lot of mistakes. We go the wrong way sometimes, but that's the beauty of what Jesus did. Jesus came to forgive us of that. And Satan wants to accuse us all day long, reminding us of everything we've done wrong from the beginning of time till this morning. And Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't an accuser. And the other bad part is then we get in on the bandwagon and we join with the accuser. And I remind Micah and I remind Lydia and I remind Amanda of everything you've done wrong since you were a baby, because I've known Micah that long, <laughs> to this morning. I haven't talked to Amanda yet, so I don't know what she did wrong. But the problem is, is that we remind each other and we join with the accuser instead of joining with the voice of the advocate. Jesus is an advocate. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We're set free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Yeah, I see someone like saying, let's hear a hallelujah. <laughs> like, yes, hallelujah. And here's what's so cool. This is what happens to the accuser. Romans 12, 10. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. So that's the accuser of all of us who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. That's the end result for the accuser is that he gets cast out. But we have an advocate, Jesus, 1 John 2, 1. John is writing to the church and he's saying, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Let's not sin, it's harmful. The consequences are not good. They hurt, we hurt ourselves and others. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. There's no more condemnation, there's no more accusation. Every day is day one, a new day. The fruit of Satan's voice, so we're gonna compare and contrast fruit here again. The fruit of Satan's voice is shame. You don't belong because you've sinned. You, you can't be fully known because you can't tell everything that you want pe the people, you don't want people to know everything. So there's shame, there's not belonging. We've spoken the last two weeks about hiding and withdrawing from God's presence. But God is seeking us out, God looks for us, God wants to draw us in. The voice of the fruit of the voice of God. I, can you see like the devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder, both talking to you, right? The cartoons. When the Lord is speaking to you, their arms open wide, welcoming you. Say, come, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. Come, come be with me. You are with me. I'm here. I'm standing right here in front of you. Come be with me. There's no need to hide. We get to come into his presence with boldness. We can come in with singing and rejoicing. These are all ideas found in scripture. We approach the Lord with confidence and joy and childlike wonder. On the worst of our days, we might be sad, but we get to come in wonder and joy and security. The difference when I've been corrected by the Lord <laughs> because the Lord disciplines those he loves. If when you're disciplined, when you feel like, is the Lord disciplining me or is, is the Lord correcting me or is it Satan? Well, if you feel shame, if you feel like you have to turn away, if you feel like you have to be isolated, that's the fruit of Satan. If you feel like you can turn and be, oh Lord, look what I did. and he, he, sat, he wipes away our tears. He wipes away our tears. And he welcomes us. And it's 
It's, oh, Lord, it's like the light bulb. Oh, what have I been doing? What have I done? And I'm sorry, and I'm sad, but it's, oh, I'm so glad I know better now. <laughs> I'm so glad I know better now. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, Satan is a liar. So Satan makes you doubt the goodness of God and makes you feel like you can't trust him. Satan accuses us. Satan is a liar. Wherever there are lies, there's Satan's at work. Jesus says strong words for Satan here in John 8, 44. He's speaking to crowds who are resisting him. That, that's another thing. If, if, if there's a voice that tells you to resist Jesus, that's Satan. <laughs> Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I'm not gonna spend a, time, a lot of time on this, but I am gonna tell a brief story or memory that Aaron and I had. Um, he, years ago, Aaron had a friend who was really interested in ministry, wanted to serve in the church and be a minister. And he was lamenting because his marriage was not in a great place. And he actually said to Aaron, he said, I think I could serve God better if I wasn't married to my wife. I'm so thankful he said it. Sometimes when you say what you're thinking out loud, you recognize the lie of what you just said, like, oh, am I thinking I could do better without this person that I've committed my life to? Because everything about God is faithfulness. Everything about God is commitment. Everything about God is, um, is oneness. I think I could serve God better if what is at the end of your sentence? It might be a lie if it goes contrary to the nature of God. God's character is faithfulness. God's character is love. God's character is loyalty, right? Now, there are abusive situations, right? I'm not saying to stay in unsafe or abusive situations. So, but we have to beware when the enemy comes in and tries to create division. If an idea isn't consistent with the character of God, it's a lie. I'm so thankful to say that our friends are still married and still serving God. Isn't that beautiful? That's the beauty of saying, this is what I'm wrestling with with one another, telling one another, this is what I think. And our friends can say, Let's, let's think about this for a while. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what is the case here and what is right here. Another, another one like that, another lie. Um, Aaron has told this story many times here. Um, somebody came to him and is like, you gotta start, we were young, really young. If you invest in this business, you're gonna be independently wealthy by the time you're in your 30s. If you do this and this and this and this, you'll have everything you know, and then you can serve God. So, hey, 
Maybe you can do this business. Maybe it will work. But you're not going to serve God any more once you have money than you are when you don't have money. That's just a lie. We serve God in every state that we're in. So it was a temptation of money and ministry. What an awful combination. What an awful combo. That's a lie. So we just, we, we speak these things to one another and we're like, is this a lie? And we get wisdom. And the beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit will show you. If you're in a situation and you're like, am I believing a lie or not? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you show me? Will you show me in scripture? Will you show me through the counsel of friends? Will you show me in dreams? Will you show me, show me, be faithful. And God is faithful, so faithful. So I wanna um, start closing with this idea of not being afraid. Over and over and over again in the Bible, God says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I think when we think about being deceived, we, hey, I'm afraid of being deceived sometimes. It's true. But we don't need to be afraid. There's this time, and, and God's patience and generosity toward us, even when we're deceived, is amazing. Think about the time um, in Matthew when Jesus is prepping his disciples for his death, and he's telling them what's gonna happen, that he's gonna go to Jerusalem and he's gonna suffer. And what does Peter say? He's like, Peter's like, never, Lord. There's no way this is going to happen to you. And Jesus turns around at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have the mind and concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And that's an exclamation point. I would just hate to be like one of Jesus's buddies. And in front of everybody, he's like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, everybody's like, ooh. <laughs> Can't listen to Peter anymore. Can't listen to Sarah anymore. I mean, that would be hard. But you know what? Peter is the one who ends up being the rock of the early church, the leader of the early church. Like, if God had grace for Peter, does God not have grace for us when we miss it, when we say the wrong idea when we have human concerns instead of god concerns when we're when we're um bogged down by the things of this world and we're trying to sort them out and you can't do that lord and lord's like no and then later he's like come on come on peter let's go i just love that it's a picture of the generosity of god to us don't be afraid of being deceived Jesus will correct you, <laughs> even if it's strong language. Jesus loves you. Jesus will correct you. Jesus will redirect you. Now here's 1 John 4. We'll finish with this verse. This whole chapter, go home and read it this week if you want to know how to discern. This is, a, this is your, your follow-up Bible meditation this week. John is writing to the early church and says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world, and this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. So now you guys get to go home and read. 
I'm leaving it, cliffhanger. <laughs> what I want you to hear is the end of this chapter. Actually, three-fourths of the rest of this chapter are all about God's love. All about God's love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Anything that is from the voice of God is gonna proclaim this truth to us. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows. We sing, come grow, we wanna grow. Our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. Other verses, other translations say perfect love casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. God's voice is love <laughs> and connection and welcoming. So, Let's stand and pray, if you, if you don't mind standing with me. And if you'd like to agree with me, just say amen. Say amen in your heart, say amen with your voice, say amen however you like. Um, Lord, we wanna follow your voice, you're a good shepherd. You're a good shepherd and we wanna follow your voice. We wanna know it, we wanna know you. We wanna abide in your love, be secure in your love, rest in your love. We just say today that we trust in your goodness. We trust in your provision. We don't rely on ourselves. We receive your voice that welcomes us when we have sinned and we reject the voice of the accuser in Jesus' name. We also reject the liar and we welcome a spirit of truth. We welcome the word of God. Help us see you in scripture. Help us see you in the word of God. Help us see you and hear you with one another and in our times with you. And help us, Lord, abide in perfect love we put fear under our feet and we say, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. We trust you to guide us with your faithful, loving, everlasting voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being here. If you would like to pray with someone, we have some people that will be at this table over here who'd love to pray with you. If you are online and um, you want to reach out by email, which people do, please feel free. God bless you and have a beautiful week. In the, hearing the voice of the Lord. <laughs>